Our first scripture lesson is from the Gospel of Mark, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 8. This can be found on page 51 in the Pew Bibles. Listen for the word of the Lord. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. From the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, Peter has been invited to the home of a Roman soldier named Cornelius, and when he gets there, an entire crowd has gathered, and Peter begins to speak. Chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did both in Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, 
that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the women went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. It is wonderful to gather with you on this glad Sunday morning, this Resurrection Sunday, and I am thrilled that it did not snow on this morning. I was sure, given the winter that we've had, that this would be the Easter Sunday that we would have a snowstorm. At our house, we enjoyed the beauty of the snow for a day or two or three. I thought it was fun to spot the tracks of animals in our backyard. There were the prints of the deer who liked to come and eat the leaves off my fig tree. There were footprints of small animals, squirrels, rabbits, tiny footprints of birds looking to find something to eat in all of that white stuff. Following the prince told me something about my neighborhood. On this Resurrection Sunday, we are here following the footprints of the man of Nazareth, the risen Lord. The footprints of the risen Lord lead us to places we did not plan to go and to people we did not expect to know. We are here to learn something about God's neighborhood. One of the things about God's neighborhood is this. Death is real, but it is not final. This is the world where Jesus dies, but this is also the world where he is raised, where the door to the tomb stands open, where frightened women cannot keep the secret for long. He is risen. We sing our hallelujah chorus not because death is gone, but because God's life is stronger than death. There is still a tomb in that garden, but the door is open. Now, many skeptics on this day especially say we are fooling ourselves. I mean, who believes a dead guy got up and walked out? Maybe the gospel writers were trying to make the best of a bad situation. Maybe the resurrection is simply a surprising trick ending added to a sad story. Did you know that there was a time when Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet was deemed too sad for audiences to bear? And so directors would rewrite the ending... Spoiler alert. Romeo would drink the poison and fall over, and Juliet would look at him and take the happy dagger and plunge it in and fall on Romeo, and there'd be a long pause, and then Romeo would sit up and say something like, the poison did not work. And Juliet would sit up and say, and the dagger missed. And they would live happily ever after. Is Mark just rewriting a terribly sad story? 
Well, there are some footprints that we can follow, some evidence that has been left behind. In the book we studied for this Lenten season, The Reason for God, these are some of the clues that were named by that author. Cowardly disciples who ran away before the crucifixion are seen out in the streets of Jerusalem, the city that murdered him, seen in the streets, telling of God's love that will not let us go, of forgiveness offered through the Messiah, who is Christ the Lord. There are clues. Something has changed. These same disciples are soon leaving footprints of their own, going out from Jerusalem in all directions, declaring salvation in the name of the risen Lord. If Jesus is still in that tomb somewhere, door sealed shut, why does the persecutor Saul, the original haters gonna hate guy, why does Saul go out, change his tune and begin to declare there is nothing in life or death that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are clues, there are footprints. The stone has been rolled away, the door is open, and we follow the footprints of the risen Lord in the lives of his people. Those footprints lead us to places we did not plan to go and to people we did not expect to know. Simon Peter is one big clue. Peter, who on that terrible night denied even knowing Jesus, now preaches his resurrection in the streets. And much to Peter's surprise, he, a good Jewish fellow, is sent to the house of Cornelius, a foreigner, an occupier, a Roman soldier, and there the surprise gets bigger as he finds the place full of people ready to hear his word. And Peter declares, God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. Which translates, don't write anyone off from the start. The footprints lead us to surprising places Think how much time we spend dividing the world into good guys and bad guys, into those we trust and those we do not trust. Peter finds the door to that house open and his heart opened as well. A lot of dividing walls began to tumble when that stone was rolled away from the tomb. For the footprints of the risen Lord lead us to places we did not plan to go and to people we did not expect to know. Those first Christians followed the footprints through new doors. The ancient Roman society was a very segregated culture. And yet these disciples of the man of Nazareth began to meet Across lines of race and class, they began to surprise all of their neighbors by who they invited over for the community meal. 
They began to feed the poor and to open their homes to each other. Philip, Philip, one of the first deacons, follows the footsteps of the risen Lord onto the road and he meets an Ethiopian eunuch. In the Acts of the Apostles, you can't get much more foreign than a court official from faraway Ethiopia. They read the scripture together, and then the Ethiopian, who knows he's not welcome in the temple because he's a eunuch, the Ethiopian asks, is the door closed? What is to prevent me from being baptized? And Philip says, absolutely nothing. The Ethiopian becomes a follower of the footprints of Jesus, and the story says that he takes the the good news home with him. One of the most ancient Christian churches in the world is found in Ethiopia. We live in a world where death is real, but it is not final. The resurrection is about a life that is at work overcoming death and separation. So this week in Richmond, we recognize the end of the Civil War and the emancipation of 8 million slaves. In April 1864, chains were broken, doors were opened. People sang, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Ben Campbell told us on Wednesday night that this year is the first year that Richmond has publicly celebrated emancipation in recognizing this anniversary, the first time, 150 years. We had a program on Wednesday night down at Second Presbyterian Church to reflect on the meaning of this week for us as Christians. And one historian reminded us that from 1958 to 1963, Massive resistance in Prince George's County closed the public schools. They'd rather close the schools than integrate them. They locked the doors against their neighbors. Closed doors smell of death. We are about life and welcome and surprise at where the footprints of the risen Lord lead us. For they lead us to places we did not plan to go. Some folk here follow these footprints into local schools where they find themselves sitting at the table in an elementary school library reading stories to children. Some folk are surprised to find themselves standing in a circle holding hands in the outback of Haiti, singing a hymn and dedicating a clean water filter system. This year in the Presbyterian Church General Assembly and the Presbyteries, we have now agreed that all our members are eligible for the covenant of marriage. The footprints of the risen Lord lead us to places we did not plan to go, to people we did not expect to know. Where have the footprints led you to your surprise? Has it been your surprise to find yourself sitting in a circle at an AA or an Al-Anon meeting across from the fellow in the Brooks Brothers suit and the young woman with the tattoos and the big smile? 
Has it been your surprise to be a part of a late-night Bible study in the dorm or an early-morning Bible study group before going to work? Has it been part of your surprise in following the footprints that in a terrible family rift that has lasted for years that you were the one who picked up the phone and began the reconciliation? The footprints lead us to surprising places. We receive our annual One Great Hour of Sharing offering at this great celebration today. This is our primary offering for the relief of the poor for response to disaster. There's a full-page ad running in the church magazines right now, and it shows a suburban mom in uh, a blouse and blue jeans and one of those big scarves around her neck. And the text reads, Today was just another day for Sarah. 8.05 a.m. dug a well in remote Uganda. 11.25 a.m. gutted and refurbished a three-bedroom home in inner-city Detroit. 2.30 p.m. paid for college tuition for worthy students at a church college. 4 p.m. helped a woman's sewing cooperative in India get new sewing machines. And she was still on time for soccer practice. The one great hour of sharing helps us follow the footprints of our risen Lord. I'm expecting today that there will be a family meal, and at this meal there will be generations gathered. And I have for you a question. I've got a question for you at your table today. When have you followed the footprints of Jesus and been surprised? When have you followed the footprints of Jesus and been surprised? The snow is gone, the spring is here, but we still see Christ's footprints all over our neighborhoods, our lives, our hearts. We marvel at surprises at the doors that are open so that we may go through and meet new members of God's family. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.